0: Welcome to Zion today. If you are new here for the first time, my name is Justin, I'm the pastor here. Welcome to everybody that came, everybody online. We're so thrilled that you are with us. Our community, as we are starting to reemerge from COVID, starting to gather back together, the thing that I have shared over and over again that has been on my heart is to remember that today, uh, our Sunday service is an anchor in our community. Uh, it is not everything, but it is a thing that helps anchor each other in our in our relationships with one another, in our prayer, in our discipleship, our reading and uh, of the word, and grounding us in all of this, so that we can have more of it abundantly uh, during the week. Um, so we are we are in a series called Real Love uh, and. Man, today's scripture, I know y'all make fun of me because I always say, like, this is my favorite scripture. Uh, I'm not gonna say it's my favorite scripture, although it's one of them, uh, but it is a scripture that I have read literally hundreds of times. It is It is on my daily read, uh, the scripture that we're reading through today. And so it's it's a special uh, scripture for me because of everything that it means. And so I, I really am praying that the you will just... Allow God. Uh, we serve a living God, a God who is alive, who is active, who is working today. His spirit is here. And so I encourage you to allow God to just speak to you through the scripture and through the word today. Uh, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, verse is 12 to 17. And so a little bit about about this, if, if you've been tracking with us so far, uh, you know, I, I'll ask a rhetorical question before everybody's like, hands go up. Have you ever been in a crisis of faith? You know, maybe you were in a community that was in a crisis of faith or you personally have walked through a crisis of faith or you, you know, the things around you did not look like or develop like you thought they would. You know, a lot of people that uh, first started coming to our church hadn't been in a church for a long time, years, Uh, and, and many times that happened because there was a crisis of faith in their community, in their church community. Something happened. There was a split. There was hurt. There was a a confrontation that left them wounded at the end of it. And because of that, and, and that may be many people here, that's many people in our church, have walked away from the church. And in that walking away, have also had a crisis where they have either, you have either walked away from the faith or it has been something that has been tempting and hounding at you every day. And you have wondered, am I still Christian? Am I still saved? Am I still. One of God's children. Now, if you have had that, you know, many of us think that when we go through that, we go through that and we're alone. That this is something a lot of times we think of the Bible days as like this this era of perfection in Scripture, but that's not true. The same issues, many times, that we deal with today have been dealt with by the church in the beginning. And so this Scripture is powerful because of how it speaks to us today we've read about how the churches or church that John the Apostle is writing to, they were going through a crisis in their community. There were false teachers that had risen up from the community and had begun to preach a false gospel. And as they preached this, they actually led a portion of the church away from God, and they took them out of the church we're gonna see this next week when we read in 1 John chapter 2, verse 18, where we see a group of people had actually left the church. And there was this crisis of faith, this crisis of community that was now happening in the church that John is writing this letter to. And so in this portion here, he, he, he takes a break, a kind of a, a, a sidebar or a rabbit trail as pastors so love to do, And he does, uh, this passage is broken up into two parts where John encourages the community and then he exhorts the community. And so the first part of this passage I want to read is verses uh, 12 to 14. And you have it on your uh, Sunday service sheet. You can read along with me. It says in verse 12, this is John writing, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. So what John is doing here, when he first starts off, his, his kind of sidebar that we're going over today in verses uh, 12 to 15, this first thing is, he wants the church to remember something. He, he wants them to remember who they are. He reminds them of their identity. Do not forget who you are is basically what John is saying here. And he, he addresses three groups of people. He addresses the little children, which as we read the letter, we realize the little children are the entire church. He addresses the church overall. And when he says to the church overall, these two things, he says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his namesake. He wants them to remember Your sins are forgiven. He wants them to remember the gospel that they originally heard, believed in, and the power of it that transformed their life. Many times when we're going through crisis, the first thing that we forget is that God forgives, that he forgives our sin. Many times we think the compounding sin of our doubt and the giving in to that temptation and all the things that we start to do because of that, that God has stopped forgiving us. Many times when we're in crisis, we give in to a lot of old ways, old patterns, old sin, and we forget that God has continued to forgive us. And so John is reminding them, first and foremost, don't forget that for his name's sake. For his glory, for his honor, he has forgiven you. Now, when you walk around, that you are walking as forgiven children. Second thing he says to the church is that he reminds them that they know the Father. He's writing because they know the Father. You know, as I was a teenager growing up, I I grew up in a Christian house, my dad is a pastor. Uh, one thing that I am very grateful for are encounters that I had with God as a teenager. Because those encounters that I had with God as a, as a, young, a young person in the faith, those were moments where I realized I know God. I've experienced God. I've, I've, I've encountered the presence of God. There were a lot of arguments when I got into college. There were a lot of arguments in high school that people would say that this is why the faith is not real. And those moments of crisis that I had in my own life, I would remember this very thing that John is saying to remember remember that you know God. I would remember that I have encountered God before. I have encountered his goodness. I have encountered his power. I have encountered his transformation. John is saying, remember that you know the Father. See, in our our Christian walk, this is not some, you know, God is up there and we are down here, so good luck. Uh, You know, he he is not some Lord that we have to go through 30 levels of red tape and bureaucracy to have luck to be able to be at his presence in the throne room. No, in Hebrews, it says, go boldly before the throne room that when we go to the Father, that we have complete access at any time to go before him, that in our relationship that we know him, we've encountered him. For those of you that are part of the church, those of you that have believed in God, that is why you're here. Why give up a Sunday? Why give up your life? Why sacrifice your, your finances, your time, and your talent because you have encountered God? And John is reminding the church, don't forget that you know God. You know the Father, you have encountered him, you have experienced him, and no one can take that away. Because once you know the Father, there's just, I feel like there's a marking that happens in your life. Where as much as you wanna walk away, as much doubt that you may experience, there's always a nagging in the back of your mind where you remember that God is real. That you've encountered him and that you met him. John says to the young people, he "says You have overcome the evil one. You are strong, and the word of God abides in you." Reminding them that the enemy they have overcome. He's saying that in the world that they live in, in the life that, thou, that they now live, in the enemy is, who has come to seek and to devour them, that they have overcome him. That in their identity in Christ, what they are are overcomers. As the word says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world that when we walk in God and the word begins to dwell richly inside of us, what happens is that the word gives us strength and that strength allows us to overcome all the temptations of the enemy, to overcome all the wiles and the attacks of the enemy so that when the enemy comes, we can remind the enemy and remind ourselves, no, that we have overcome you. We have overcome the one that is in the world. And as this community was being susceptible now, that their unity was beginning to become fractured. John is reminding them, no, you have overcome. Don't forget the word of God that dwells richly in you, that has been put in your heart. Don't forget the strength of his spirit that empowers you. Now, when that temptation, when that crisis comes in and that temptation, it's very easy to forget that we are overcomers. It's very easy to forget the word that speaks to us that says, yeah, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, because it feels like when we begin to get disconnected, when we begin to doubt, when that crisis comes in, it's very easy to feel weak and give in to that weakness and say, well, you know what? And I'm 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 just not there for this. I'm not strong enough, or I'm I can't handle this. Sure, that may be right on your own you can't, but John is reminding them that through Christ you have overcome. Don't allow the thoughts. See, the enemy many times will come with the temptation, with the thoughts, with the processes of. No, it's okay, you're you're going through it right now. It's okay, this is a crisis. You're not as strong, you haven't prayed as much or maybe you haven't read as much or you haven't been around the community as much or maybe you're doubting right now, so you're weak right now and it's okay to give in. And John is here reminding them, no, you are overcomers. You have overcome the evil one. You are strong in Christ. The word of God is in you and because of that, You have the strength of God in you. See, when those thoughts, when those temptations come, even though we don't feel something, we have to use the word as Jesus did when he was tempted in the desert. When the enemy came and tempted him, sometimes even with scripture, what did Jesus do? What He he shut down the enemy with scripture and he reminded the enemy of who he was, of who God was. To the older people, John says, you know him who is from the beginning. He says this twice, you know him who is from the beginning. This is more like, you guys know. You've been around the block long enough You've you've been around enough crisis, you've been around enough times of uncertainty, and his reminder to them is, you know him who is from the beginning. You know the word of life, as John calls him earlier in John chapter one. You know Jesus, our Lord. And when you know Jesus, when you meditate on the knowledge of God, when you meditate on your relationship with God, I know when I meditate on on God and the knowledge of him, all of these things, all these temptations, the crisis that is surrounding me, the crisis in my life, those things melt in the presence of God. Because I am reminded, John says, of him who is from the beginning. You know the one who is eternal. You know the one who has all power. You know the one who in him, nothing shocks him. Nothing takes him by surprise. You know the one. Be reminded of who you serve. Of the God that is with you. When we are in times of crisis, the thing that we need to do is first remember who we are. You know, I love this about the Old Testament, that if you read the Old Testament, it is, it is part of the law to have celebrations of remembrance for the entire community. You know, and all, all the legalistic, you know, if, if you grew up in whatever, there, there's so many... Whatever denomination it is that's legalistic, they all had the same things, whether it was Pentecostal, Baptist, fundamentalist, whatever it was. You couldn't party and you couldn't have fun. No dancing, right? You just, you couldn't do it. Fun was just not part of the plan of God on the earth. But what, what God commands over and over again in the, in the Old Testament and whenever you see in Borough Park where the Hasidic Jews go crazy sometimes during the year, it's because God has commanded them to party and remember who he is in the celebration. Now, this is part of the lifestyle that when Jesus said, when he broke bread and he took the cup of wine and he, he ate the bread and drank the wine and he said, when you do this, remember me, he was saying, when you get together and you feast, remember what I have done for you that one of the core tenets of our Christianity, one of the core things that we see over and over and over again is God calls us to remember him. Calls us to remember who we are in him, the things that he has done in our life, that when we begin to forget those things, we allow crisis to take over our life. We allow the temptations of the world to settle in. We allow the doubtful thoughts to come in and make roots in our heart. But as John reminds the community here, we can be reminded, don't forget who you are. Take moments every day. When Jesus said, every time you get together, do this, he didn't say do this once a week. He didn't say do this once a month. He didn't say only do this on Sunday morning with the community. He said, whenever you get together, do this and remember me. This means as much as we are together, we are to remember Christ together. As much as we feast, as much as we eat, as much as we get together and rejoice in whatever celebration it is, we are to remember Jesus. And that is the same thing that John is calling this community to do. Because in a moment of crisis, in a moment of doubt, in a moment where their community was being fractured, the greatest thing that he can do is call them to remember who they are in God because many times the enemy will want to distract us by never giving us a moment to sit down and remember, to sit down and contemplate, to sit down and meditate on the goodness of God, what he has done and who he has made us to be by his word and by his stripes. The second thing That John does. So first he affirms them in their identity. You are children of God. You have been forgiven, you have overcome, and you know him who is from the beginning. The second thing he does is he exhorts them. Remember who you are not. So we're gonna read in verses 15 to 17. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. John talked about these two things that we are to love and how to love them, that to love God is to obey him and that to be a part of a community is to love each other in the church. And so John gives us these two loves that Jesus says, the greatest commandments, right? Love God, love your neighbor. John reiterates that. He says, love God, obey him, love each other in the church. This is important, as John said, right? Some of the hardest people to love in the world are church people, Some of the hardest people to love is, is we have no problem going out and loving the stranger on the street, but tell me to love the person that sits next to me that has ticked me off more times than I can count at this point. That's the hard person to love. That was the laugh of, I've been there. (laughs) And so after John says, love God, love your neighbor, then he goes into here. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, this could be really confusing because John wrote in the Gospel of John, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that all who believe in him may not perish. So what does he mean here, do not love the world? What he is talking about here, and as he defines the world, are the the systems of the world, the things in the world, All you have to do is be on Pinterest for five minutes and you realize what John is talking about when he says, do not love the world. All you have to do is be on Zillow for 10 minutes. Am I only speaking to myself right now? Has has, has anyone ever just looked up a random city in the US and think, I wonder what a house costs there? And then had to X out and, and pray for forgiveness and ask God to forgive you. I'm the only one? Okay, you guys are seeing my sin right now. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you, Noreen. I appreciate it. (laughs) Do not love the world or the things in the world. This is the, the thing that John calls us. Check your heart. He's saying, look at your heart. When you forget who you are, it's very easy then to forget your love for God. That you, you, As he says, remember that you know him who is from the beginning. When you stop meditating on God, when you stop remembering God and stop thinking about God, what happens is that love is displaced by love for the world. You start meditating on all the good things your neighbor has, all the good things that the people around you have. I'm in a stage of life where the good things I meditate on that my neighbors have are space and nice furniture. <laughs> I have this neighbor across the street. Heather knows where this is going now. This guy just moved in a year ago, and every weekend, I hope he never listens to this, I just see him buff, shirtless, and you know his, his shorts up to here, washing his Mercedes-Benz Jeep, and he's got four stories, four floors, all to himself and his, and his kids. And then me and Heather look out from our 900-square-foot apartment. <laughs> there are kids screaming at us, and whatever language they're speaking feels like they're cursing at us 24-7. Just thinking, what a life. <laughs> and then turn around and think, God, I love you. This is why I read this passage almost every day. <laughs> Because when we look around, I mean, even if, if we look around, it's easy to say, what does what John define as loving the world? He gives these three things. He says, if anyone loves the world, and then he does a sidebar, he says, this is what loving the world is, the things in the world. He says, the love of the Father is not in him, for all that is in the world, what is it? The desires of the flesh. The things that you naturally crave. The things that in your personhood, when you look at them, when you when you see them, that your your body on its own are going to want. In our world, we are taught that the desires of the flesh are the most natural thing for us and they should dictate our life and, and cause us to live what our desires are, should become our identity, should become our life, should be the things that we live by, the things that we associate with. But John says, no, the desires of the flesh is the love of the world. They are what the world system, the world's natural way of going about it, that's how they look at it. Me and Heather have this ongoing conversation. Whenever we watch some documentary, it's just like another company's being greedy and destroying your life and causing you to get cancer and like all these things. She always says like, how did they do this? Why? I can't believe that they do this. And it's the same answer the desires of the flesh, the greed that we live in. This is the world system. Capitalism, communism, it doesn't matter. If you look at every world system that we have had, it all has ended in the same thing. People want power, they want money, they want what they want, and they will justify it because they desire it. Whatever they desire, they allow themselves to have. He says Desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes—the things that we see that look good. We see these nice things on Instagram. We see these nice things on Pinterest. We watch our binge our Netflix shows, and we see good relationships. We see people in these nice houses. We see the things in the life that we long for, and the things that we see. The thing about what we see—the desires of the eyes—is it's not like we're going to walk around blind. We're not going to pluck out our eyes. The desires of the eyes are something that's constantly going to be there. It's the things that we look at and we think that looks good. That when Eve looked at the apple, it said that they looked at it and it looked good. That just because something looks good doesn't mean that it is good. It is The things of the world, when we begin to love the things that we see, when we begin to love the things that we desire. And the last thing here, he says, is the pride of life. Another translation says the pride of possessions. This is the materialistic thing, that when we look at what we have accomplished, we look at our resume, we look at our job title, we look at the things around us in our home, we look at what we have accumulated, we look at our bank account, we sign on, and we say, man, I am doing well. I was listening to a preacher last night who was just going off about how God wants you to be successful and how he defines success was materialism. He said, God wants you to have more and more and more and more of this and more of that. And anybody that tells you anything else, well, they don't serve the good father like I do. And I said, yeah, God wants us to be successful. Yeah, God wants us to be blessed. But when we define success by the same ways that the world defines it, then we are doing nothing different than what John is talking about here. That we are looking at the pride of life, that the materials that we have accumulated, the things that we have gotten with our own hands in our own life, and we had said, Now we are successful. Thank you, God. Pet peeve of mine when people say God is good only when something nice happens to them. Got a promotion, God is good. Got my new car, God is good. Got a new apartment, God is good. Guess what? If you didn't get that promotion, you didn't get that car, you didn't get that apartment, God is still good. (laughs) Why? Because when we love the world, when we love the things in the world, when that is how we measure success, when that is how we measure blessing, then what happens, what does John say? The love of the Father is not in us. Love of the Father is not in us. That's haunting for me sometimes, because it's it's easy when I see things, to want them, to desire it, to love. When you love, when you think of what love is in Scripture, it is this worship of, this hope in, that my hope is in these possessions, that my, my my worship is of these things. When you worship something, it's when you dedicate your time, money, and resources to make sure that you have it, that you can be with it. It is, it is when you look at something and you think, I will make a way no matter what so that I have that. Worship and love is when you look at something and you say, my hope is in that for my future. When I look at my bank account, and I say, my hope for my future is in the numbers that I see there, that is when I know, man, I have begun to love the world, and the love of the Father is slowly seeping out from my heart, because I cannot, as Jesus says in Matthew 6, serve two masters. I cannot love God, and I cannot love and serve mammon. It just does not work like that. That's materialism, possession, money, Many times when we are in crisis, what do we do? We walk away from what is eternal and we go and give our heart to the temporal. I can temporarily feel pleasure if I watch this website. I can temporarily feel good if I eat this food. I can temporarily feel good if I buy this thing on Amazon today. I can temporarily feel great if I get this promotion, if I get this new car. We walk away from eternity, the things that are imperishable, as it says in 1 Peter, not things like silver and gold that are perishable, that one day will walk away, but we look Now, instead of looking to the imperishable, we look to these things that will walk away one day, that will not be with us in eternity. For John says in verse 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. It's really easy when things are not going well. In times of crisis, especially in our community, to allow yourself to be Lord, I just need a little pick-me-up today. And that little pick-me-up today becomes a pick-me-up tomorrow, becomes an addiction, becomes a new habit that we can't seem to shake or get rid of. But John is reminding the community, don't fall into the things that will pass away. But remember, whoever does the will of God abides forever. This is the real thing that you should be striving for. This is the real thing that you should be aiming for. In Psalm 37 it says of the world, for they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. The only thing that will last, the only thing that is eternal is our ability to abide in God. The only thing that will be worth it at the end of our life will be to walk in lockstep with God's will to, as Jesus said, only do what he sees the Father doing. When we walk into eternity, all the things that we have accumulated, all the things that we thought were good, all the things that we gave our love, time, money, and attention to, that were not God's will in his kingdom will pass away. 1 Peter verse, chapter 1, verse 24 and 25 says, All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and and steal. There are many things in our life that may cause crisis in our face, crisis in our community. It could be a lost loved one. It could be being away from the church so long because of the pandemic, you were disconnected from community. It could be a conversation you had with somebody that caused doubt in your relationship with God. It could be a bad interaction that caused a wound that made you think, man, I don't want to enter that space anymore. That space is not safe for me anymore. John's response to the crisis in this church helps us realize how should we respond in crisis in our own community. That first, we do not forget who we are. We are the church. We are the bride of Christ. We are washed in his blood. We are heirs, co-heirs with Christ. We are sons and daughters. We are firstborn with the inheritance. We are forgiven. We are cleansed. We are righteous. We are sanctified. And we will sit with the Father at the right hand of the Son. Do not forget who you are and then do not allow the temporary pleasures of the world lure you into loving them instead of abiding in god abiding in god Abiding in God is that, that that is not that one-time fix. It is not that one-time long prayer meeting or open. It is the every day. God, I will sit with you today. God, I will follow you today. God, I will walk with you today. John, just a few verses before, calls it a walk with God, that when we walk in sin, that is what causes these things to happen, but when we walk with God, when we abide with God, then the fruit of the vine will come out in our life. As the pastor here, I've had so many different conversations with so many people over the last month and a half about all the different crises that are happening in our lives whether it be deep anxiety and depression, whether it be falling into old habits, whether it be just literally, I I don't know what I believe anymore. I want us to understand that we are as not only as a society are trying to emerge from a crisis, but as a church trying to emerge from crisis right now. And this word, this word is for us, that there is this thing that God says, that in this crisis, in this world that we are living in right now, do not forget. It will be easy to forget, but do not forget who you are. If you have to read some scriptures, remind yourself when you go home, open up that scripture and just read a verse, read two verses, do not forget. And then do not lie to yourself that the things that you have substituted God's love for, these temporary things that feel temporarily good, do not forget that those things will pass away. All those desires are passing away with the world. The only thing that you can do that is eternal is abide in the will of God. Can you stand up and pray with me? Father, I thank you, Lord, that your power is greater, that your spirit is here, wherever we are, whether we're at our house right now or in this room, Lord, that your presence is here and greater, God, than whatever crisis that we are facing personally or in our faith, you are greater, God. Lord, I pray that we would not give in to the lie of the enemy that tries to make us forget who we are in you and tries to cause us, Lord, to live for the temporary instead of the eternal. Lord, I pray that you would help us surrender right now. Even as we sang before about new wine, God, that you would help us surrender because you wanna create something new in us. That whatever it is, that we would lay it down before your feet, that we would confess it to our brother or sister, that we would, Lord, that we would go before your throne room right now in faith, knowing that you are our help in time of need, that you are here, God. When every stat says every church has lost not one, two, three, four, five percent, but 40 percent, Lord, will never come back. Lord, we here now say, God, we are coming to you. Here we are, Lord. Here we are, God. Let's worship.